So we are continuing this ser Christmas series on, on the songs of Christmas. So we are in Luke. We're continuing this series in Luke. And what we're going to focus on this morning is joy and ult the ultimate joy. And, and, you know, I feel the challenge of that because our culture competes so heavenly for our joy. So, so over the top constantly for our joy, does it not? I mean, if we just had the right cup of coffee on the right couch with the right tree in the right house with the right car in front, with the right friends, you know, maximized on Facebook, had about 360 followers or 1,000, whatever. If we had all those things, then we'd really feel the joy, would we not? I mean, that's the world is constantly screaming at us and competing for our joy in it. And it's hard not to sort of become jaded at some point. The word almost just becomes a word, like the joy of Christmas, right? And, and you kind of go, well, I'm trying to stir that up. You know, I, I, the, the, one of the, the traditions I have, one of my little personal traditions is every Christmas Eve, I'll sit out on the couch and I'll look at the Christmas tree and, and look at all the um, ornaments that we have on our tree. And each ornament has some sort of connection, some memory or comes from a particular time and in Don and I's life, or, and I'll just look at each one of these ornaments and think about what they mean and what the history is behind them. And I, I really do, it's a blessing. I experience some joy from that. But again, you know, within, within a day after Christmas, that's kind of, kind of gone, right? And it's just temporary. So the question is, what is our ultimate joy? What, what will be the abiding joy that we can experience and know and be rooted in throughout the year in, in in feast and famine, and good times and bad times, that what is that depth of joy? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's go Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So that always happens, right? Every time an angel shows up, what happens? Everybody is filled with great fear. So these angels are pretty like awesome creatures, are they not? They're, anytime they show up, they just fill people with fear. And I'm sure the shepherds, it's kind of unusual for them to be just hanging out at nighttime, watching, taking care of their flocks, and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord just shows up, and this angel shows up. It's a pretty awesome event, right? So... They, the, the angel definitely has their attention. And the angel says, fear not. And why? Why fear not? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And what is this good news? What is this good news of great joy? This is kind of a double-double. It's like ordering a double-double at, at In-N-Out, right? It's, just, it's not just joy, but it's great joy. It's not just great joy but it's good news of great joy. This is, this is the joy. This is the ultimate joy. If there's going to be any depth of joy, this is it. Well, what is it? What is this joy? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Those three words are the core, the wellspring, the overflowing cornucopia of joy for each one of us who have put our hope and faith in Christ, right? That he is our savior, that he is the Christ, 
the Lord. And notice that the angel says, doesn't say for unto the world a child is born or, or a child is born, but the angel says for unto you is born. Unto you is born this day. Unto you, Donna Banman, is born this day a savior. Unto you, Raul, is born this day a savior, right? It's very personal. He was born unto us. He is the ultimate Christmas gift. I when I was a kid, I mean, of course, I think for all of us, it's like, it's all about the, the gift under the tree, right? And, and part of the joy of that gift is the anticipation, right? And, and it would always be the big question in every kid's mind. It's like, okay, what's going to be the gift this year? What's the big request? What's the Santa Claus request? What, you know, what, what are you going to put, stake all your, your claim on? That's what I love about the, the movie, The Christmas Story, because it's all about the Red Rider BB gun, man. It's like everything, all of Christmas is going to live or die on whether or not there is a Red Rider BB gun underneath Christmas tree. And I remember, I just like that as a kid. It's like, you know, one year it was the um, Tonka, Tonka front loader, all steel, stamped steel, painted, cool, big front loader. This thing's awesome. Right? And sure enough, Christmas morning, big old Tonka box back behind the tree. It was like, oh, now that was a moment of joy. It was truly a moment of joy. But again, it, the next day, by, the, by, by lunchtime, Christmas Day, right, that joy is already fading. But, you know, we have a gift that has been given unto each one of us, personally given to us, a Savior, right? A Savior, the Christ, the Lord. And I, I want to dig into what, what does that mean and look at that a little bit more deeply because, you know, we use that term a lot, especially around Christmas time, Christ the Savior, right? Well, what does it mean, Christ the Savior? What does it mean that he is our Savior? What has he saved us from? What has he saved us to? So I just want to re- refresh our memories a little bit in, in really looking at what this means that he's a savior. And, and, and I'll just tell you up front, this is a bit sobering, but it's important to look at the significance of what he has saved us from. So I want to start by looking at what he has saved us from, and then we'll get, we'll get back to more of the Christmas cheer after we look at this. But, but really, this creates the context for why it is such a joyful event. So I'm going to go to, and there's a million different passages we could go to, but I can go to Revolutions, Revelation, Revolutions. How about that, Robert? Revolutions. I want to go to Revelation 14.9. And this is a, uh, one of the judgments. This is actually speaking of the final judgment. Um, and, and it's at, at kind of midway in Revelation, and it, it's a, a picture of these three particular angels, and there's this third angel, starting in verse 14. It says, I'm sorry, 14, Revelation 14, 9. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured out full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image. And whoever receives the mark of its name. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. 
And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. All right, so this, this is us, right? Without Christ, without this gift, without the Savior being born unto us, this is what we had to look forward to. This is what we have to look forward to unless we put our faith and hope in Christ. Right? And, what we, and, and, and I really want to look at this. I mean, we, we tend to want to not go here because it's so dark and so heavy, particularly for a Christmas sermon, right? But this is the good news, that, we, that he has saved us from this. So, so look again, that it says that, um, starting in 10, it says, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured out full strength. Imagine God's wrath, Nothing held back his wrath in its fullest strength into his cup of anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast in his image. I mean, the torment is horrible, but just this idea that it goes on forever and ever, day and night, it is nothing but torment, and it goes on forever. It made me think of, uh, and there's a quote in your bulletin, there, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie Joe Black, but there's a point where the protagonist is challenging the antagonist of the story, and of course, the protagonist character, he's actually death personified, and he's confronting this guy from the reality uh, that he is death personified, but this guy he's confronting doesn't really realize it, doesn't know this, but what, what the Brad Pitt char character says, he says, should you choose to test my resolve in this matter, you will be facing a finality beyond your comprehension, and you will not be counting days or months or years, but millenniums in a place with no doors. And that's so, that's pretty dark, but that is the reality. That is what it means to be under God's wrath and judgment. It means an eternity of torment. And we tend to want to kind of make that like nicer and a little bit more palatable by saying, well, it's separation from God for eternity, right? We can just say, well, it's separation from God, right? And we kind of try to soften it. But what the Bible teaches is, no, it's torment for eternity, right? But unto us, unto each one of you, a Savior has been born. And if you put your hope and faith in that Savior, guess what? He saves us from all of that. And he saves us from all of that at incredible expense to himself, right? I want, I want to look at Isaiah. Since we've been in Isaiah a lot, we'll look at Isaiah. Um, I'm going to go to Isaiah 53, verse 10. It says, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. This is speaking of the Messiah. This is speaking of Christ. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, was put, he has put him to grief when his, whole, when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. 
Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Jesus saved us at great personal cost to himself. Out of, his ang- out of the anguish of his soul, he saved us. And you know what? It was worth it to him. Making that sa- sacrifice was ultimately satisfying to him because he saw you and I come to faith in him. He saw you and I receive that salvation from him and, he, and God has set him on his right hand and has given him rule and dominion over all of creation. He's given him all the spoils of all creation and guess what now? Jesus wants to share all those spoils with each one of us who have been saved and redeemed by him. Is that not something to be joyful of? That we've been saved from eternal death and torment into eternal life and a life that is, that is filled with Christ sharing the abundance of all the spoils of creation with us. Is that not something to be joyful of? Is that not something that we can experience the joy of in the good times, the bad times, after New Year's Day, before New Year's Day, right? When things are up, when things are down, having a Savior that has been born unto us. This is the ultimate joy, right? And it's so hard to get the words out because that joy, that word is so overused, but we were doomed. You know, we were doomed to eternity of torment. The smoke of our personal torment would have been going up forever and ever and ever. And Jesus came into this world at great personal cost to redeem us and save us from that destiny, from that certain doom. He has saved us. He is our Savior. And he is Christ the Messiah. Christ means, in Greek, it's a a transliteration of the Greek from Christos, which means anointed one, chosen one, special one, right? The Hebrew is, uh, uh, the English version is Messiah. Hebrew is more like, uh, see if I can say it, Messiah, Messiah. Rough, rough pronunciation, but Messiah, right? So Christ, it's a title. He's the Messiah. He is the ultimate Messiah. He's the ultimate anointed one. Uh, and he, and particularly for the, the Hebrew mind, when they hear that, they see the word Christos or Messiah, it's just chock full of all kinds of meaning, all kinds of blessing. The fact that our Savior is not only our Savior, but he is our anointed one and what that means. And just to give you a quick taste, I'm going to read another passage um, about him as, a, as anointed Messiah. This is Zechariah 3.14. So sing aloud, sing, sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with, your, with all your heart, right? Which is similar to the way these angels are presenting Christ's birth, right? Be joyful, be happy. For unto you is a, a Savior has been born. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, o, o daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. He shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God in, is in your midst, a mighty one who will save you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, right? He is in our midst, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who has dominion over all of creation. 
has come into our midst to save us and to bring us into his kingdom. Whether you know it or not, you are in his kingdom right now as a believer. Right? You are a royal priesthood. You are already citizens of his kingdom. And his kingdom is all around this world already in each one of us. So he has saved us from our sin, right? He has saved us from damnation and eternal torment. And he has saved us into new life. And he has brought us into his kingdom as our Messiah, as our anointed one. And he has shared all the wealth of what that title means, of being the king, the one who has dominion over all things. And he does it with such great love. And I love, I love the end of this verse where it says, he, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. And aren't there times, that, certainly during the holiday times, where we just need the Lord to quiet us with our love? We're just crazy, going crazy, trying to do all the things that are involved with Christmas. And we need to take a deep breath and, and say, Lord, I, you know, whatever happens, if the tree burns down, the tree, Christmas gifts don't make it through the delivery system. You know what? Quiet me with your love because this is all about you and your, your salvation and your love for me and the, my family and the rest of our, our family together. Amen? So unto us a, a Savior is born, Christ the Lord. The Lord, again, speaking to his kingdom. He, he, he is the highest king of kings, Lord of lords. Uh, look at Daniel 7 real quick. I saw in the night visions, and behold, the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. So this is Christ coming in the form of the son of man, being presented to God the Father, the ancient of days, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." And we are part of that kingdom, right? A kingdom that will never be destroyed. You know, one day, the United States is gone. What the Bible teaches is that the kingdoms of men come and they go. They come and they go. They come and they go. And if you remember the vision of Daniel with a big statue, you have the first kingdom, the next kingdom, the next kingdom. And each kingdom overtakes the previous kingdom, and the kingdoms of men just come and go. But there is a rock that shatters that statue that is taken out of the mountain, not touched by human hands, not a human kingdom. It's a God kingdom, and it's a kingdom that just grows bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and never, ever, ever ends. It's an eternal kingdom, and that's what God has, Christ has saved us into. That what, that's what he has brought us into, is that kingdom. We are citizens of his kingdom. So, what is the ultimate joy? What is the cause of ultimate joy? The cause of ultimate joy is that unto each one of us, a Savior, Christ the Lord, has been born. And that joy is something that, that can be with us every day. And, and the challenge, I think, for each of us is to press into that, to press into, you know, what does it mean that Jesus saved me? What does it mean that Jesus is my anointed Messiah? What does it mean that Jesus is my king? In fact, the king of all creation. What does that mean in this situation? What does that mean this year when things break down? What does that mean when things are going really well? In those three words is a source of joy that can never be extinguished, can never be put out. So what do we do with that? 
Let's go back to our passage, Luke 2, 8. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there were with the angel a multitude of of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Notice, Notice the contrast of this passage. Notice the height and the depth of this. Notice that, Christ, that God in the highest is reaching down into the world and he's not announcing the birth of his son king to you know, the big muckety-mucks of, of, of Jew, Jewish society. He's announcing it to a bunch of shepherds out, out on, in, watching their flock, right? It's like announcing a a new king, a new ruler to um, the migrant workers who are out, you know, uh, in the strawberry fields. And, and it's just interesting to me that God, this God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is coming unto us, giving a gift unto us in such a humble way. And how many prophecies of the Messiah talk about the humility of Christ, the suffering Savior? Behold, Jerusalem, your king comes to you on a colt, on a donkey. So it's interesting that God comes to us, his gift to us, his gift of joy comes to us in such a humble way and that we have such access to it. And these shepherds, these shepherds are invited in. And I think sometimes we're maybe hold back from the fullness of joy because we feel like we're not maybe good enough or that it's going to be too fleeting or that's going to go away or that somehow we disqualify ourselves from joy and say, well, that joy is, you know, so I see people that have joy, but that joy is just really not for me. And God is saying, look, look, my joy is for the, the most humble. In fact, all the more the most humble. That's who my joy is for. That's who my salvation is for, is for the humble, for those who are willing to humble themselves and recognize that they need me in the first place. That's who my joy is for. I think also often we, you know, we feel like in order to have joy, we have to be successful. We have to gear ourselves up. We got we to be effective. We got to maximize our Christmas. We got to really dial everything in to really get the joy, right? But God is saying, look, I've given it to you already. Unto you, a Savior is born. You don't have to put this all together to experience the joy. Just humble yourself before me and recognize how much you need me, how much you need a Savior, there's no special class that, that gets the joy. Each one of us have this joy available to us. 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see these, this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known that the saying that, that had been told them concerning this child And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. All right, so this is a great application passage, right? Which a lot of us have probably heard these applications more than once. Um, I'll just run through them. So first point of application is go and see what the Lord has made. You know what? To access this joy... 
we need to go, we need to dig in, we need to take a little bit of time out of our crazy day and pursue the Lord. And what are shape or form that means? You know, read a, a, a passage of scripture, listen to a song, listen to a, a, a message, go to your po- favorite podcast message and listen to my, you need to press into the Lord, seek the Lord. That's one of our mission state, statements is not to seek the Lord. So the, the shepherds, they went and saw. The next one is they made known what, what had been told to them. They made known what had been made known to, to them and, and application for us is to make known what's been made known to you. Right, so, and and I, again, I think sometimes we disqualify ourselves. It's like, well, you know, I don't, I don't have this high level div- master of divinity degree. Who am I to, to try to talk about the Lord or convince someone to put their hope and faith in Christ? And that's not what Jesus calls you, calls each one of us to. What He calls us to is making known what He's made known to us. So whatever He's made known to you, you make that known, right? The next one is, is sort of the Mary application, that is to treasure it up in your heart. I think so often, we you know, we're, we're used to this constant feeding of information. We're just constantly, you know, I'm, I'm reading stuff on my iPad or watching something on my iPad or watching on TV or, or listening to the radio. And it's just constant stream of information, right? It comes in and goes away. It comes in and goes away. And there comes a point where we just need to stop and ponder and think deeply about what is the Lord talk, telling me these days? What am I seeing in his word? What am I hearing in worship? What am I, what's going on in the world? What does that mean in light of the gospel? And, and think about that and ponder it. Maybe even break out a little journal or a notepad and put down some thoughts, right? To ponder that. It's a, it's a really important step. And finally, to celebrate God for all, all he has shown you. And, and, the, and that's how the how we leave the shepherds. They, they go back to doing whatever they're doing, but they go back completely changed, right? And just filled with joy and celebrating, giving glory to God for all that they've seen and heard and, and, and thought about and, and experienced in this, in this whole event, right? So here's the thing. When it comes to applications, it's like, okay, here's our, our four little applications. I kind of broke the rule. I got four instead of three. Right, and we got our four little applications, and the problem is I know you, just like me, by the time I'm done with lunch, I will have forgotten most of them, right? And, it, and it's kind of the typical four applications that probably we've heard before. But here's what make the, makes the difference, and here's, here's a way to think about this. Think about cause and effect. You can't affect the applications without the cause. You need the cause, okay? And the cause is unto you, unto each one of us has been born a Savior, Christ the Lord. And we need to focus on that. Why did the shepherds go and see what the Lord had made known? Why did the shepherds share what had been made known to them? Why did Mary ponder all this in her heart? Why did the shepherds walk away just full of joy and celebrating all that they had experienced? Because they had experienced the Savior, Christ the Lord. Right? They had experienced it. So we, so often we want to get the cart in front of the horse and we want to go, okay, I'm going to do these applications. I'm going to do these four things and then you know, my Christian walk will be solid. But you know what? We need the fuel. We need the juice. And the juice comes from connecting with, understanding, pressing into the fact that unto each one of us a Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. Amen? That's where we need to put your focus there 
and then look for opportunities to express it in these, these four different ways. But focus in on, on this right here. Right? I notice it's empty. He hasn't come yet, but he, he has, right? He's come for us. He came for us at great personal cost. He came for us to save us from what would have been an incredibly terrible eternity, right? And knowing that you are saved in that is a source of great joy and is motiv motivates us to, to, to go and check it out further, to dig in deeper, to share it with other people, to ponder it in our hearts and to celebrate it. Amen? Let's pray. So Lord, we all want joy, God. And yet it's almost an impossible thing to, to just fabricate joy. It just happens when it happens. Lord, and for us to really understand deeply what it means that you came into this world to save us and to regain creation for you and to have dominion over all creation and not only have dominion over creation, but to lift us up into that place of your kingdom to make us princes, princes and princesses, priests, God, of your kingdom, to make us a holy nation, Father, to elevate us to that level. Paul says that now we are a bit lower in creation than the angels, but in the resurrection we will have a higher station than the angels, Lord. God, what an incredible eternity you have saved us into, Lord. What a horrible judgment you have saved us from, God. There's great joy in knowing that, God. I pray that this week and this holiday season, this year, we would really know the depth and fullness, the width of your incredible love in saving us from such a horrible destiny, Lord. We thank you for, for this season, God, to celebrate you being born unto each one of us. In your son's name, amen.